First off, Ray and Terry for our breakfast this morning. Thank you for providing that. Remember our first Sundays of the month are our breakfast Sundays. God bless kids, every one of them. Uh, so thank you, Ray and Terry, uh, for breakfast this morning. Don Brandt, uh, Ray's brother, called me last Sunday and said he was ready to uh, become a, tr a member of our church family. And so I said, hey, do you, are you a baptized believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? And he said, yes. And I said, welcome to the family. That's all he wanted me to do. I was going to parade him up here. Uh, but uh, anyways, thank you, Don. And it got me thinking about just the sort of ask of thinking about, you know, lots of folks have been coming and thinking about what's next for you all and your, your family and being a part of our family. And just always be thinking about how we can make next steps together and walking with you. Let us know how we can encourage you and your faith uh, to join our family and, and belong and connect. We have opportunities uh, for us all to serve and connect. We have a lot of kids around us and... Um, uh, there's a there's a big ministry need there every week uh, to just make sure we're caring for the kids and thank you for those who are involved in it. We're always looking for folks to be plugged into that. Thank you for your generosity and giving and your faithfulness uh, to the mission. So much of what we do is because of uh, your love for God and your generous heart. And so thank you for all of that. Uh, this morning uh, I was looking at the month of May and. And what we would do for sermon series ideas and, and different things. And uh, it's really kind of a hodgepodge of a month. And so next week is Mother's Day. After that, Matt Love is here. And so we finished up Matthew. And I was thinking, what do our, what do our folks need? What, what do I need? And, and the more time I spend uh, in kind of the world around us and in our community, uh, the more I realize just how much uh, today we just need sort of a standalone message on encouragement uh, that we could all really use uh, just someone to come alongside of us and maybe give us a hug uh, maybe give us a pep talk um, so today is a warm hug and a big pep talk for you my friends uh, so let's pray and we'll get into it and God we love you so much and uh, we really do need a pep talk from you and your spirit and so we would ask God that you would be here uh, that you would give us encouragement and strength, Lord, remind us today that we do not go, go alone, that you go with us. Uh, Lord, just give us a strong sense of your peace, your presence, your grace, your forgiveness, your love, your reconciliation, your desires for us, your will, your love in this very moment. Let us know that we're not alone. God, we thank you for all that you do for us. And let us know today that we are loved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, to do that uh, encouragement, I'd, I'd ask that you would go to uh, Galatians in your Bible. Uh, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6, and that will be our text for this morning. I was uh, doing a lot of reading this week and just uh, trying to uh, see some things and encouragements and make some connections, and I came across this story. Uh, it was from 1908, and I don't know why they called it this. It was the Nimrod Expedition. You know, if I think about expeditions that I go on, they would probably aptly call it the Nimrod Expedition as well. Uh, but it was, it was uh, Ernest Shackleton. He was leading a group of people to the South Pole of Antarctica. So I think Nimrod is the appropriate name for that. I don't know why 
one would wake up in the morning and say, by golly, let's go to the South Pole in Antarctica. But anyway, so a group of them are on this grueling, incredibly difficult trip. They are a hundred miles from their destination, and they realize they don't have enough food. The weather has gotten more and more treacherous, and they need to turn around. And so that, that day, they sort of divided up, and it was called hard tack. It was dried biscuits. Um, I suppose now it would be our power bars. I don't know. But they divided up their last dried biscuits among one another, and they went to sleep for that night. And so they have just gone through this grueling journey, and they are just, you know, it, it has reached a boiling point of, of ways that they're like, okay, the only thing that's left for us is to turn around. And so Ernest was sleeping, and he woke up to someone uh, sort of rustling around, and, and he saw, and he peeked, and he looked, and he saw it was one of his close friends, uh, and he was so disappointed in his friend. What he saw was his friend was getting into one of the fellow uh, group members. He was getting into his food bag. And so Ernest was just flooded with the emotion of, here is my best friend, and he's taking bread from another man on the journey. You know, that, that really feels like the way the world works, doesn't it? Uh, that, uh, that I get what I want and, and that my needs are greater than the needs of others. When I think about the sources of discouragement in my life, it seems like it's, it's the takers that really discourage me the most. That, that the world revolves around them, and, and I realize that I can be clumped right in with one of the takers, that uh, I'm really good at taking care of me. Uh, and I sense that we all have that sort of sense and that desire. It's sort of innately built into us, that it, it's me first. And in the me first world, it can be so incredibly hard to stay encouraged and stay on the path. You know, this is just the way the world works, though, doesn't it? That they would reach in, and there was an opportunity for them to take, so... So he took for himself. But that's fortunately not how the story actually goes. When Ernest felt such displeasure and such angst towards his friend, what his friend was actually doing was is he was opening that man's bread bag and he took his bread and he placed it in each of their bread. He was giving his bread to the others. And when I think about that's the way the... The world assumes that, and the way the world really, um, you know, sort of tears itself apart, but there are people placed in this world. There is a kingdom, not of this world, where people are not the takers, but the givers. And I, when I think about my life and where I want to be, I can either be the taker or I can be the giver. I can either be selfish or I can be selfless. I can either be served or I can serve. And I think about what I want to be in this world and what I think I know about you and what you desire to be in this world is to be on the serving side of things. To give, to care for others, to be selfless, to empty ourselves and pour out ourselves for others. But it's that sort of tension in this life where, where we get this sort of sense of things that should maybe belong to us. That it should be the attention that we get. And our ego sort of creeps in and there's all sorts of things that go along with that. And so this morning, I just want to simply encourage you the way Paul encourages the church in Galatia. He wrestles with quite a bit of things in the book of Galatians and not enough uh, time to cover all of those bases this morning. 
But there is a very important thing at the end of his, after he sorts out a lot of legalism and problems, he says, guys, this is what we should be all about. And it's all about a life in God's spirit. That God's spirit is with you. And that if you have this spirit in you, then it is changing who you are and it impacts your everyday life. That there is a fruit that comes from God's spirit being in you. That there is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is a very fun song that we should all do now, uh, but I'm up here and I'm not going to lead it. Uh, but, uh, but it just helps, uh, you know, it's an old camp song and there's even more fun songs now that just help remind us that the fruit of the Spirit is in us. And that fruit is love and joy. When I think about what's missing in the world, it sure feels like love and joy is in short supply these days. When I speak with teachers, it's the end of the school year. I don't think any teachers have any joy left. I mean, it was, it's gone. And the kids have sucked that all out of them. They are hanging on just, just by the edge. You know, you talk to a teacher and every one of them know how many days left are in the school year. You know, and they'll say, not that I'm counting. And they're all lying. They're most definitely counting. But even the administrators and, and people that are just trying to make decisions and help kids and people in service industry, they're just, they are just dried out of joy, dried out of, of just a desire to serve and keep serving. And I think about my own life and just discouragements and people going through so many things and it's just kind of like, I don't really know that I have much left to give. It can be so discouraging, and people are so short with one another. I see it in my own family, our shortness of reactions. Who's been, who's been slow to speak, wait, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry lately? Anybody? Everybody batting a thousand on that one? Um, I'm not. I w last night I had a kid who was not feeling the greatest, and I had like zero compassion. I'm like, dad of the year over here sitting in this chair way to go Jordan we can all feel a sense of the world is not as God desires it to be our world is not feeling the best right now there is a weightedness a heaviness to our lives I read an interview uh, there was an interview question for ministers and they said okay after all of this COVID uh, mess and everything. How is ministry right now for ministers? And the survey was just alarming. And it, it was, well, I've lost friends. Uh, there's no longer any volunteers. People aren't committed to the church. They used to come. They don't come anymore. There, it was just this big, long list. We can't get people to commit. And basically, like, I just sort of started clumping them all together, and it was lost connection, lost commitment. And I'm thinking, okay, if this is how ministers are feeling, and feelings that I personally have felt, and reading a lot of things, it's like, well, yeah, I probably could have wrote that myself. Like, where, what's the state of the church? What's the state of the world? What, what good can we do? And I know right now you're feeling like, Jordan, you said you wanted to encourage us. You're feeling a little more uh, discouraging than encouraging, but there is a battle that we're facing. The sort of baseline emotion for American citizens right now is anxiety and depression. We are all overly <laughs> uh, filled with anxiety and worry and concerns. 
we are the most connected we've ever been with one another, and we know the least about how we feel. We know, uh, we can know everything under the sun, we can Google it, we can have information, we can have all the knowledge in the world, but we cannot know one another. We can feel like we know everything about someone's life, but we don't know what's truly grieving their heart today. When I look at the world and I think, okay, there are so many challenges for us. How do we navigate this world and find encouragement, find strength, find joy, find love? And, and Paul's word to us is just this encouragement to remind us that because you are in Christ Jesus, you have his spirit. And it's no longer the life you live, but it's the life that Christ lives in you, that you have Christ in you and his spirit. And so there is a source and a steady well of God's goodness and God's joy and God's love that is ready to pour out of you. So Paul's closing remarks as he's bringing things to, uh, sort of to a head, he's, he's just trying to say, guys, come on, be encouraged in this. Know that Christ's Spirit is with you. And he gives us a, a basic sort of agricultural principle before he gives us the encouragement. He says, you reap what you sow. And so he says, you have a decision to make. You can either be the bread taker or you can be the bread giver. You can be selfless or selfish. You can be the one who serves or you can be the one who served. He says, you can live your life and live your life in the flesh and you can pursue all of those things or you can live your life in the spirit. And if you sow seeds in the flesh, then by golly, you're going to reap the fruit of the flesh. That if you steal, your life will be stolen. If you take, your life will be taken. But if you give, then life will be given to you. If you sow your life in the spirit of God's goodness, then God's goodness will be uh, a part of the harvest of your life. You will have eternal life. You'll have a life in God. And so in Galatians chapter 6, we'll go ahead and pick up there. Chapter 6, starting in verse 8, uh, in verse 7, well, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so ultimately, we have a decision to make about our lives. Will, will we stay this course? of living life in the Spirit? Will we choose today to sow seeds of the Spirit, to sow love, to sow peace, to sow kindness and goodness? Will, be, will I be a source of good because Christ is in me, living in me? Will I share that goodness in the world? There's a great saying where in, in the world where you can be anything, be kind. And that's a great altruism about life and attitude and values, about how we would conduct ourselves in the world, that would I sow peace, would I sow kindness, would I sow God's goodness in this world, or I can keep living my life in the flesh, all about me, all about my desires, all about my pursuits. And my most discouraging times are when I reap what I sow from whence I've sown the flesh and sought the life of the flesh. And I think that you can 
say that too. Those moments in your life where you, you realize it was bitterness that took me here. It was jealousy that took me here. It was anger that took me here. It was these things that took me to these places of darkness and despair and frustration and discouragement that I know that from those things. And it's not to say that there's not discouragement and hardship when we seek a life of bearing, uh, a sowing in the fruit of the Spirit. And sowing a life that we pursue Christ and a life with Him. There's plenty of discouragement there, but when we sow peace, it has its way of coming back into our life. When we give forgiveness, it has its way of coming back. And Paul, he just lays out a very basic agricultural principle. If you plant grass, you get grass seed. Or, <laughs> wait, if you plant grass seed, you get grass seed. Maybe I need to review. Yeah. But here, Paul's teaching, what are you going to choose? A life in the flesh or a life in the spirit? And this is just a reminder for us of what we've chosen when we've said, I'm going to pursue Christ with my life. I'm going to pursue a life in his spirit. Then it says in verse 9, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What a word of encouragement to us. Because I think all of us get a good sense of what it feels to be wearied. Our lives are going a hundred different directions, and that's the reason why I wanted to do a party yesterday, and the weather looked bad all week, then the weather ended up being fine, and I'm so frustrated with the weather lately. I have to make decisions. I'm a soccer coach for third and fourth grade girls because of my immense knowledge of soccer. It's the exact opposite of that. I have a heartbeat, and I'm a dad. That's what got me recruited. Um, uh, the, uh, but I have to make decisions about, are we going to have soccer practice? Where are we going to have it? And will the weather cooperate? And it never seems to work out the way I think it should. There's things beyond our control, and the weather is beyond our control. There's attitudes of others that are beyond our control. There's things in our life that are just not within our control, but... We feel like they should be. We look at our lives and we look at all that's going on and we're going a hundred different directions, all of us, at a hundred miles per hour and we wonder why we're wearied, why we're frustrated, why we're short with our family, why we don't know what's going on in the church family, why we feel disconnected. We've grown weary. And Paul says, guys, don't grow weary doing good. Because if the principle before what I just said is true, then the thing that you should stay focused on is a life in God's Spirit. If it's true that you reap what you sow, then what you should start sowing and keep pressing forward on is doing good. And I know that sounds like bad English, but it's, it's doing these good things in this world caring for others, serving others, pouring out your life, living a humble life, seeking peace, seeking righteousness, caring for the poor, loving our neighbor, writing a letter, giving a box of food, giving flowers, giving encouragement, taking time to call a friend. To There's a million things you can do to do good in this world. And Paul's saying, keep doing them. You will reap what you sow. And if you keep sowing good in the world and you don't give up, there is a harvest of righteousness for you. 
There is eternal life for you. There is good for you. So Paul says, keep living this life in the Spirit of God, living a life with God, and let the fruit of a life with God pour out of you so that the world knows of God's goodness and grace and his love. So you reap what you sow. Don't grow weary. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This week you did a kind thing for someone in your church family. We were able to give a sizable amount of money to someone who's been faithful and loving and caring and part of our church family for years and years and years. And when I handed the love offering to Deb, she said to me, I don't know where I would be without my church family. And she said, they mean everything to me. Paul is saying, keep doing what we're doing, guys. Keep loving people. Love your church family. Do good to everyone, but really keep going for your church family. Bless and love your family of believers. I was thinking about, um, you know, sometimes when you're in your situation and you think, okay, I'm pretty weary, I'm pretty worn out, I'm, I'm feeling pretty discouraged. I started thinking about the people that have gone before us. You know, Edna Green Church of Christ is not a new church. If you're looking for a new church, we aren't it. We've been around for over 150 years. And there have been people who have faithfully given for a long time to this church family. And I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking about they have given their lives to the advancement of the mission of the Etna Green Church of Christ. And I think sometimes it's a good reminder for us to tell us that we stand on the shoulders of people who loved the Lord and gave their lives. I think about Janet Stouter. A lot of you are here today, whether you realize it or not, because of Janet Stouter. She prayed for you. She prayed that you would come. She prayed, she prayed that you would find a family in this church family, that you would know God and that you would know of his love. We stand on the shoulders of Harold Walter, who faithfully poured over God's word and taught it. We stand on the shoulders of Lowell Zentz, who led and cared for and, and led the church. We stand on the shoulders of Jean Price and Bill Price. Jean, she was my neighbor. She was the best neighbor. She came delivering cookies. Also jokes. If she found a good joke, she would show me. And I loved her for it. And she, she would, sometimes I'd go to my office and she would stick a new one on my door for me. It was usually some church-related joke, and uh, she thought I needed to see it. But she sang like an angel, and she served this church by glorifying God and sharing her gift. We stand on the shoulders of many people that I haven't named that have gone before us, the Theodore Goods and the, and the Helen Bakers, and people who have served and loved and cared for our church family for generations. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Some of the biggest giants in our church family were the shortest of people. Charlotte Slaybaugh was probably 80 pounds, but her faith was 800. You could go there for encouragement. There are so many times that she gently guided me. She's awesome, Dick. She's why we like you so much. 
and uh, she would give me a gentle correction, and she would also give me a stern correction. I, I don't know if you all are aware, but Mother's Day is uh, 15 years ago, Mother's Day, I interviewed here. And I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Charlotte, if it weren't for Sally, if it weren't for such wonderful, faithful women who guided me and cared for me. I want to give you a few other credit, but uh, I don't want your heads to get big. Um, but, uh, but there are people in our path, and there are people in our story that give us strength and courage. The way that we don't grow weary in doing good is by doing good together. And so when I hear those things that are coming out of ministers' mouths where they're saying, we've lost connection, we've lost commitment, we've lost a desire to be together, then I'm fearing that we'll lose our mission, we'll lose our guidance, we'll lose what we're about, that we would be discouraged, that we would stop doing good. And so this isn't a guilt trip about doing good, it's not a guilt trip about being uh, a part of the church. It's not making you feel bad if this is the first Sunday you've been back or haven't been back. This is, this is a reminder of how important it is that we do it together. I, I stand on the shoulders of Carl Shear, who stood on the shoulders of Ed Barrett, who stood on the shoulders of Steve Hinton, who stood on the shoulders of Stan Halla, who stood on the shoulders of Gene Neihart, who stood on the shoulders of Max Smith, and after that it gets a little blurry for me. I stand on the shoulders of men who served faithfully to pray over God's word and to share it with God's people. That's my place in this. To love God, to love his word, and to love you. What is your place? What is your place to do good? And maybe it's those things and joining with me in those things. It's loving our church doing good to everyone and loving our church so well that more and more people come and desire to be a part of it. That more and more people come and get a sense of who God is and what he's done for them. That more and more people would come and glorify God and praise Jesus for being king of kings. My encouragement to you today is to not grow weary, but to connect. Connect with others be built up in love and know that Christ is with us. When I think about the challenges that we face, they are probably not unlike the challenges that the church faced in the early, in the early days. There was a society of women that met together. They were saying, we need to build a building, and they didn't have the money for it. And there was this little society, a missionary society, who had baked sales and made goods and sold goods so that they could build the very first church building. There are people who have given so much in the story, and it was these little things. You think, what difference can I make? What difference can I make? There's a really old preacher story. I'm going to tell it to you. I'll wrap it up and give you a few things to think about. And it's the story of the starfish. Are you familiar with the starfish story? I'm sure you've heard it. We can feel so discouraged to think, what difference can I make? And you know how the story goes. But there was a man who came upon a beach, and there were starfish scattered all over the beach, right? 
and he starts chucking them back into the ocean. They were all going to die. And so one by one, he's throwing the starfish back to the ocean, back to the ocean. Someone comes up on him, ready to discourage him. He says, man, what in the world are you doing? He says, well, if I don't get these starfish back in, they're all going to die. He says, there's thousands of them. What difference could you make? Ignoring him, he bends down, he picks up the starfish, and he throws another one into the sea. And he said, I made a difference to that one. Friends, don't grow weary in doing good. You're making a difference. You are changing lives for eternity. When you continue to do good and point people to Jesus, we have a decision to make of how we would live our lives, either in the flesh or in the spirit to walk in the world or to walk with God. Paul's encouragement to us is to say, friends, keep walking in the Spirit, pressing forward in our life. I have some simple encouragements in our notes today. Pray. Pray with your eyes open. Open for the needs in the world around you. With your hearts open and compassionate and your ears ready to listen. It's hard to know the good we ought to do when we aren't paying attention. Ask God to help you pay attention. I want to encourage us to read the Word of God and study it. And invite God's Word to stir our hearts. It's amazing how when we spend time in God's Word, how He actually talks to us and reminds us. If we want to be encouraged and continue to do good in the world, we need to pray and read. Connect with our church family. How many needs do we find out about when we're not talking to one another? And it's amazing how you can find out about people's lives just by sitting down and sharing a meal and breaking bread. We look for ways to support one another. You know, when you buy a new car, you think, man, look at this. I got, I got the only shiny, white, red, new Toyota RAV4. And then next thing you know, that's all you ever see is a Toyota RAV4 that's red. Look for ways to support one another. It's amazing how when you put that thought on your mind, how it starts to become a part of your daily life. You start seeing the needs. And maybe you've been really discouraged. Maybe you need more than just my pep talk. Maybe you need the Psalms. David and the other writers of Psalms had bad days, had excruciating days. And we may not always know how to pray, but the Psalms can give our grief and our sorrow and our hurt, they can give us words and draw us closer to God. It's just practical encouragements. But my challenge to you today, don't grow weary. God was with at the Green Church of Christ in the past. God is with Christ uh, at the Green Church of Christ today, and He's going to be with us tomorrow. We are not alone. The battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. And we get the privilege to be His children. We stand on the story of faith, story of people who laid down their lives story of people who gave bread 
and you can be a part of that story too. Let's pray. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Lord, of your goodness today is why we're here. Your grace today is why we are here. What you have done through Jesus is why we are here. And Lord, uh, Lord as you um, sent a wave of goodness and grace and forgiveness through the resurrection of your Son, Lord, we are caught up in that wave of grace and love and kindness. And as it continues to spread, as it continues to grow in the world, Lord, help us, to, help us to feel your spirit today. Give us encouragement today to know that we are not alone, that you are still writing a story of your grace spreading around the world, of your goodness, of your redemption, of your forgiveness of sins, of your victory over sin and death. God, we just get to be a part of that. And what a joy it is. Help us, Lord, not to grow weary in doing good, but to continue to do good for everyone, and especially for our church family. Lord, help us to love one another. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's turn this.